Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahead of Brentford's home tie against fellow promoted side Watford. I was lucky enough to have a chat with the great guys over at the Watford Buzz Pod, Jordan and Matt. We chatted through lots of topics from a Watford and Brentford perspective. And if you want to listen to the conversation, you come to the right place. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast. They're actually a special edition of the Watford Buzz Podcast. It's also a Bees Tactical crossover. I'm not sure what the hybrid of a bee and a hornet is, but that's effectively what we are today. We're happy to be joined. It's a wasp, is it? Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's a wasp. All right. Is it a wasp or is it a horny? It's a hive, of, a hive of, uh, of chat. It's, it's the, I mean, wherever it is, it's, it's, it's a beautiful combination because we're pleased to have a friend of the show, David Anderson, back um, from to offer a, a Brentford perspective. It's just, so it's me, Matt, and, and David today. Tom wasn't able to, able to join us. He's down at the allotment again. So it's just the three of us. Um, and we wanted to go over the upcoming game on Friday. Obviously, it's a huge game for both teams now. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how it pans out. We wanted to add a little bit of extra detail and a little bit of build-up coming into that game on Friday night. So uh, we're going to go over the two teams, kind of talk about how our seasons have fared uh, a little bit, kind of respectively, um, with both both sides of the fan bases listening to this one, hopefully. So want to add a little bit of context there. And then we'll kind of get a little bit further into the uh, the game on Friday itself and what we expect to see. So David, how, how's it going? It's been a long time. Uh, hi, Jordan. Yep. Going really well, thank you. Yeah, it's been ages, hasn't it? It's... Um... We felt like we chatted quite a lot in the championship and um, our, our journeys were almost somewhat aligned and we both made it up into the Premier League and then we've forgotten about each other just because of this gruelling, um, tough game where you just seem to get outplayed every week. But um, now, we're yeah, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to chatting to you guys, actually. It's been nice and catching up on how you've been and how you found the season. Um, and I, I think it's similar to Brentford in some respects. So, yeah, it'd be good to to get into the nitty-gritty of um, your guys' season. It's a different experience, isn't it, the Premier League, from a fan's perspective and just com- and just covering the games. It's a, it's a much different uh, much different way of doing it, especially with the schedule being so so varied and not quite that same two games a week kind of situation that you have. And it's just a, a very different thing, um, especially as well when you throw in those those big games in there too against the top sides. It just, it just feels like a very, a very differently paced season. So, um, yeah, it's good to get down and, and chat as well. Um, so yeah, this, I think we might as well start with, seeing as soon as you're here, David, we might as well start with Brentford. Kind of what's what are your thoughts on the season so far? Kind of where are you where are you looking at Brentford and are you feeling happy about things or are you feeling a little bit concerned about a few or is it just kind of a, a middling season so far? Yeah, I think I was chatting to the All Stats Army guys the other day, John, and um trying to think about how to summarise a season and I, I think it's just been split into two halves really. Like the first section was we I think we started really well and we surprised a few teams and we were we were just living off that adrenaline buzz from a really good successful championship season, a quick turnaround and then following on a lot of the similar players, added a couple of 
a couple of key signings and we we just took that momentum into the first few games and it, it took us a really long while before we actually went behind in the match and I think that just suited us it suited how we wanted to play off the ball and and soak up pressure and then try and hit teams on the counter and we got some pivotal goals at good times and after six games we were looking great I mean yeah we hadn't we weren't technically behind a game for a minute uh, behind in a game for for a minute and it, it just everything felt really good and smooth but there were a couple of things underneath the surface that were bubbling away that we probably hid with some of those early goals and um, a couple of the results and then I think the second half like the next six fixtures kind of exposed those a little bit like um, maybe a, lat- a lack of mobility just a little lack of quality in key moments and then as the injuries start totting up you, you start to see that your second string and your third string, um, th- th- they just get exposed in this league. There's no real hiding place. And just talking yeah, recently about just weak links, they, they wherever they are on the pitch, they're going to be found out at some stage just because these teams you play are so probing and, and they just work their way through. So it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a mixed start. I think we can't overall, it can't be anything but happy, but yeah, just where we are now, I think you're starting to see the other teams looking really fit, looking sharp and, and really testing you. And it's, it's, yeah, just every minute in these games is a bit of a slog. I think that's a good point you raised there with the um, with the, uh, the the substitutions or the, or the depth in your squad. If you have if you have to bring those players in, if you have injuries or suspensions, it's, it is pretty telling pretty quickly when that quality isn't quite up to scratch. In the championship, you can kind of you can get away with it and you can cover those gaps a little easier. Um, it's also much easier to recruit in some ways in that division too because you can be a little bit more varied in the in the players you bring in. In the Premier League, you've, you, there's no as you say no hiding. You get punished pretty pretty heavily, but um, um, Matt, I thought I'd ask you what's kind of what's your feelings on the beginning to our season? Yeah, obviously, um, I was quite excited going up um, under the kind of football that we were playing under under Cisco Munoz, and um, you know, I was hopeful that it would it would work out for him. Although, also, I was looking at it from a, a realistic point of view, and I, I felt as though maybe he wouldn't perhaps have the the necessary levels of um, just I don't know football now to and uh, maybe tactical experience to, to know how to cope with the Premier League and and you know so it proved that he you know he wasn't quite up to it but um ever since we brought in you know the the, the new man who of course is very experienced has won a Premier League title as uh, you know along with uh, Serie A and, and other divisions as well he he just feels like he's brought in a calmness um and an assuredness and it's probably not the the best football that we've seen but that has to you know you have to consider the sort of teams that we played since he's he's been in charge it's been mostly some of the, the top teams in in this division so to come away with the points that we have done um has been you know very very good but um it's more about the football that we're seeing being played out there that is very encouraging and and it, it you feel as though going against teams um you know perhaps such as Brentford that we should be challenging against uh, and and hopeful of getting points uh, against rather than the likes of the Chelsea's, the Manchester Cities, who we always know we're going to be even in a big battle against. Are uh, it, it's encouraging signs, and and hopefully we can you know we can actually start to kick on now under 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 the new man. Yeah, I think also I think it's very similar to Brentford in the sense that it's, it is a it's very much split into two two halves. I mean, maybe a little bit more defined for us because we have had two managers too, um, but it is it's been quite different. Um, and I think it's been it's been relatively positive in recent weeks. I think our results maybe you might look at the the results and obviously they kind of stand out the the away win at Everton, the, the win against United. But um, in terms of just wins and losses over the last five or six games, it doesn't look great. But there's been a real kind of sense of 
positive um, positive feeling around the club since Ranieri's come in and we start to see some some positive changes and, and things are feeling a little bit better. Um, would you say that you're kind of on the opposite end of the, of the trajectory there, David, that you, you feel like Brentford are kind of not fizzling out, but kind of tailing off a little bit and you're having to find ways to kind of get back to the early form of the season? We're perhaps on the opposite side of things. We started quite poorly and maybe starting to kind of reach a peak. Yeah, I think there is some of that. Um, I think the last couple of games we've had to dig. We've had to dig pretty deep and, and we've pulled out a couple of results. Like um, there was the win over Everton, which we got in, we got it, we got ahead basically. And then we just <clears throat> lent on our shape. And then in the end, like come out of the one nil win and it's, it's just a big three points. Um, mm. Following on from that, it's Spurs basic Spurs looked a hell of a lot better than us. It was, it was a bit of a mauling really. They, they were really good on the counter. They, they created loads of chances. It could have been a bit more than two. And you're sort of thinking we can't, we're struggling to put a couple of results together. We look like we're conceding a lot more goals than we should be. And then we go and face Leeds and go away there and without Tony. And prior to the game, everyone's thinking this is this isn't going to be great. How are we going to even um, how are we going to even put a team together and um, and look competitive in this match? And we actually put in one of our best performances for a really long time. So yeah. some of the things that some of the issues going on in the previous games are slightly Tony dependent. Like how how stale we look in attack, and we're just looking a bit clunky, and there's not much fluidity up front. And when a player like that comes out of your team, you're forced to react. You're either you're either going to just fall away or you look at the rest of your squad you plug in a couple of holes you bring other players out of another position and put them somewhere else and and things might start happening again and it's it's similar to I think maybe the Watford fans might get this not quite as drastic but when Deeney was out of your side last Mm. season um it's not so much I mean Tony's nowhere near as degrading as or or sort of (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean yeah he's not the same that's that's a probably not the best analogy but the kind of the idea is probably similar that you have to play through him i mean he's he's a very um, he's a very particular type of player if i like, give you an example i think basically. when um when you got injured uh in that premier league season that watford ultimately went down in i think that was a you know a big loss for us and maybe that's a similar example i don't know if you agree with that one jordan or not yeah, I mean, I think I think the difference is here. I think I think David's trying to say that Tony's absence has actually inadvertently led to being a positive, forcing a change, um, and it's a change that wouldn't come about naturally because it's hard to, you know, it's, it, Frank's not going to want to drop Tony. I remember us having the discussion last season too um, in regards to Thomas Frank and changing things. It was real. It really took a kind of forced into doing so. I remember there was a talk mm. about the change of shape and that the kind of the back three system and changing to that more of a narrow midfield. Eventually, I. I believe we went to that kind of like diamond midfield for a little while too. And it felt like yeah. a lot of that was overdue and there was a lot of kind of frustration with fans. This one's maybe a little bit different in the sense that obviously his, his hand has been forced with Tony and it's not so much that people have been calling for Tony to be to be dropped. But um, I think what you're getting at is that kind of out of your control, forced into his into his hands or forced into his lap. And it's actually kind of maybe allowed you to look, to look at things a different way or look, make Frank look at things and kind of think outside the box and try a different way. And um, it's obviously difficult because you're not going to want to drop your top goal scorer in the championship last year and someone that was so important to you. But um, this is one of the interesting things about um, promotion teams and seeing how they adapt, because especially for coaches too. And Cisco was definitely one that was uh, on the wrong side of this. But when you get promoted and suddenly you, you go from taking a club that at the top end of talent in the, in the league generally uh, and someone or a, a team you're looking to be dominating lots of games and you're looking to be controlling things suddenly uh, your, your mindset has to shift completely and you have to find new ways to adapt and it, it's it, even though it's kind of hard to think that your top goal scorer is not going to be central to that 
new plan or new strategy sometimes um you, you do require different things in your players and it might change uh change the role of your of your your top players and it might ask more questions of your coaches but it seems that for frank that's definitely something that's come about and maybe this is a, a bit of an awakening and eye-opening to how you can uh, perhaps adapt to to, to play in the new league when when you're stuck with uh, not stuck with but when you're when you're playing a certain way and that's that's kind of all you know and then a key figure of that way of playing is taken out of the team you're left with either adapting or, or doing the thing that might help you which you just couldn't have done because as you're saying you've got such a pivotal player who's played every single minute first name on the team sheet there's other qualities he brings to the team um so that, that's going to be interesting going into this game i think um Tony's obviously, I think, with his COVID test, he's going to be out of the he's out of the fold for at least ten days. So I think he, I'm not sure if he absolutely misses the Manchester United match. I think he might do as well, but he's definitely not available for Watford. So we need to think of another solution because what we used against um, Leeds on the weekend, where we looked really good, actually, we looked really good, especially in the final third at times. Sergi Canos is banned for this one too now for a, a fifth yellow card. So we need to again, we need to think of another solution, and and it might be that. It, it helps us look fluid again because the player coming in is a little bit more mobile. Um, it should be Wissa that starts this time. A mm. um, bit more movement. Um, doesn't always want it to feet. Doesn't want it long. You're not automatically looking for that long, big figurehead who you try and build off. You might try and play a bit through the thirds. You might try and, try and play a bit more out wide. So there are there are pluses. And I think it, it's very easy to think, oh, Brentford don't have Tony. This should be a much easier match. It's, yeah. it's probably not as easy as that as you think. Well, for for Watford fans that aren't aware, what give us maybe a brief kind of idea of how of how Brentford look to play. Obviously, you've got a few unknowns, and as you say, with Canos and Tony being out, you're not sure exactly how you're going to compensate and accommodate that. But uh, in general, kind of what's been the what's been the approach from from Frank and Brentford this year? I think we've we've got the back three, which is um, a big part of our play. Like we're very much happy to spread the ball around the back three and just stabilize possession there, and then wait for opportunities to open up. Ahead, what, What's been happening a lot, though, is we've been getting the ball out wide to the wing backs and they're, they're kind of stuck there because it's pretty obvious where they're gonna, where we're going to go as a team. It's pretty obvious where they're standing and you, you end up with that, that big U shape where you're, just, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. just you're just moving the ball back across one wing to the other. And what we what we try and do and what the principles they want is they want the midfielders to get wide and act as like a ball in field. Mm-hmm. But that's quite easy to mark in itself. So if you can't, if you don't have that ball in field, you've obviously got to go back. What we're trying to, what we need to do is just trigger some movement ahead of that wing back, like get the forwards to move on and try and pick the ball up there or midfielders to break forward as well. And that's what you don't really get well with Tony. He's not, he wants to come short and just pick the ball out to feet there and build from there. So we have been a little bit stifled in those positions, um, but that, that's the main aim to build through the thirds like that or just skip that and go forward to Tony if he's waiting a little bit further field and try and build from there. Um, um, yeah. it, it's, it's worked to a large extent. I think against teams that play, basically against teams that are going to play through us and better than us, which is probably 50% of the league, maybe 60%. It's not a bad outlet to have, but I think, as teams are getting smarter and they're sort of isolating Tony a little bit more, like showing, saying, right, you can pull on a fullback, play the ball to him, but we'll be around there to clean up these these drop balls and beat your players to them. So mm. we, we've needed to adapt a little bit. And we, we have seen that in the last couple of games, a little bit more better movement. But yeah, I, I'm keen for us to switch to something like a 3-4-3, I think. Just get two wide forwards around Tony instead of this just one player playing off him, then three midfielders just a little bit too deep. We, we need to get more more movement into that forward line. But um, yeah, those are Frank's main ideas, I think. Just make sure you've got three at the back, um, three midfielders, 
two wing backs and then two forwards to to work with each other in tandem and try and and try and just yeah try and get us upfield. Yeah, I think it's very easy to it's very common to see that disconnect between those front two and the and the rest of the team when they when they play that that back five system and the, the midfield the midfield have to work so hard and have to be so intelligent to get into the right spaces to expose um, the opposition, especially when you're playing against top teams that are able to close that space down. And also, if the opposition is able to pin your wing backs back to large portions of the game, it becomes really hard to progress mm-hmm. the ball. And as Watford fans, we've had quite a few um, head coaches over the years in the Premier League too. We've, we've tried to utilize a back three system that's often resulted in something quite similar where we haven't really had the the, the progression to actually be dangerous mm-hmm. consistently and we end up kind of being that kind of dour attritional football um you know how, obviously how a back three or back five can either be the most expansive creative in the right hands but it's, it's very quickly can be turned into something quite quite dire and oftentimes we ended on the uh on the latter end of that i mean i could think of numerous <laughs> occasions with Eunice Kabul out with the ball on the right hand side and passing back into you know just the those sorts of uh situations not not so similar to the the successful periods we had in the championship using something similar but that's interesting to see that um it will be interesting to see how things match up. I will go over just in terms of Watford real quick, um, uh, just in regards to how we've kind of been playing for any Brentford fans that are listening and interested in that. Um, I'll briefly cover Cisco because it's relevant. Um, the beginning of the season, we kind of continued to where we were uh, in, in the championship. We played that kind of 4-3-3, 4-3-3-1. And it just wasn't effective at all. We weren't able to we weren't able to defend in space very well at all. And we were just exposed quite consistently. Um, we had a good start to the season, first game against Villa, but we got undone quite quickly after that. And things dried up going forwards. And defensively, we looked quite, quite loose. Um, there was no real adjustment per opposition. It was just very generic. Um, go out there and play kind of stuff or at least that's how it came across uh, and, and eventually it just it, it became quite apparent that it wasn't it wasn't going to be successful and honestly these these questions actually arose um, when we were in the championship too there was multiple occasions where we felt there wasn't enough being done to person in a position to win games and it was actually just our quality coming through which kind of overpowered opposition at times um, and allowed us to come away with the results so now things were looking a little bit different um, with Ranieri where we've seen a little bit of a little bit of change in shape, but we're more more than likely um, going to see us continue um, with a kind of a four three three into this one. Um, but the, the the fundamentals of the the ideas, the approach are, are much much different. Where Cisco was quite a passive off the ball coach, Ranieri, we we've kind of seen that pressing game evolve um, over his time here. Now he's it's kind of developed, and we've. Sorry, my cat's all over me. Um, it's kind of developed and we've become a team that's able to, to be aggressive of the ball, um, force the opposition to making uh, mistakes and looking to almost completely change uh, the, the way we play. I think a good example of this, if you're at all interested, go back and watch the first 10 minutes of the Chelsea game and you'll see kind of what we're looking to do. Um, we come out of the traps pretty fast. We, we've got an athletic team. Uh, we've got a team that suits this style of play. And um, offensively, we've been really strong. Obviously, we'll, we'll be missing Ismail Asar again for this one, which is a, a huge miss for us. But um, we we are able to, to kind of compensate somewhat by having these players that are able to play uh, as Ranieri wants them to do. Um, he seems to have developed that trust to them now and they are able to be a little bit more aggressive. I think early on, he was maybe kind of holding back a little bit. Um, and kind of getting his points across a little bit clearer before allowing the players to be as aggressive and at times reckless off the ball. 
Um, but now we're seeing it kind of come together a little bit and we've had some varying results, but um, we all feel quite confident in, in kind of how things have been going, the direction things have been going. Um, we just lost to City, but we were in the game um, for large portions and, and much of that was down to, to Ranieri and his, his, his substitutions have also been uh, quite positive as well, which is something that was disappointing with Cisco. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, we do have a couple of injury issues. Um, our back line is, I will say, is pretty bad right now. Um, we do have a, a large weakness there. Whilst we can be good as a unit off the ball defensively, that kind of the positive defensive work from us generally comes from the front line in midfield. Um, the back line has been very, I'd say, heavily below average. Um, it, it's been poor. Uh, we've got a few injuries there. Um, I'm sure you remember Francisco Siriata from the Championship. He's he's been out for the majority of the season for various reasons, uh, and also in, in Kulu, who came in as a free uh, to kind of help our centre back situation, is also out injured now. So it's been a, a Craig Cathcart truce to Kong partnership, and we all know what Craig Cathcart is. He's he's a serviceable centre back, but truce to Kong, unfortunately, whether this is this is a level too high for him or. or just playing poorly he's not been up to scratch the last few games and he's cost us some uh, some important goals unfortunately um also combine that with what was possibly one of the worst individual performances i've ever seen uh, in danny rose um in our last outing against city um we, we've looked quite threadbare at the back and it's been an issue for us so if, if you're from a brentford perspective you'd be looking at that back line and thinking you're going to have opportunities and uh, especially if you are able to play a more counting counter-attacking style there should be chances for you but um it should be a good matchup because you know you, you kind of combine that counter-attacking team uh, or a team that's happy to sit back and play that possession along the back line with a team that's quite aggressive in, in watford and it should be you'd imagine uh, quite an end-to-end fixture but um, it, it'll be interesting to see how things match up. I was going to say, like um, last few games, you've played like two of the best three teams in the country, um, and you haven't really embarrassed yourself. I think, but there is obviously this narrative of poor defending de- developing from um, the Watford camp. But Ranieri, I think, has he surprised you from a tactical perspective coming in? Because I think when the appointment was made, I'd have looked at him and thought, I'm not really sure what he stands for anymore, especially today in in football today. Like what he's going to bring is he is he, you know what style he brings to the team basically has has he surprised you and are you impressed with what you've seen? Yeah, to be honest, um, I went back and watched um, a fair bit of his time at Fulham after after he kind of was linked and then once he actually was appointed and it, he didn't really get his points across. I, well, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he saw something different with the, the team he had at his disposal. But in terms of what we kind of like to expect from Ranieri or what he, he'd been leaning towards, I think obviously the, the, the mark everyone goes to is his, his time at Leicester and that's what everyone's going to be looking at. What was he doing there? Because in your mind, the most successful period of his career is what he's going to try and replicate. But um, I'd say that he has been much better than I than I'd hoped um the Fulham stuff did concern me a little bit um but I think he got his I think when he first came in his first game against Liverpool it was it was not what we expected from Ranieri I don't think it's what he particularly wanted to do and um, we, we were quite passive off the ball we sat quite deep um we were very our defense was very low very deep and it was it was not much kind of pressure on the ball it was just a a situation we let kind of Liverpool roll over us and that was a, a worrying early sign but for me I think we've seen um, we've seen his his ideas grow into the team. We've seen how um, the team is starting to adapt. And there's a real, it always comes across in the football pitch very quickly. I think it's, it's it's one of the easiest things to pick up. And I think you just get a feel for it quite quickly. And that's when a team understands their roles. Even if you even if you haven't, even if it's harder to identify what those roles are, you can see the way um, the way the team operates and the way the team moves and the way the players interact with each other when they're comfortable and when they, they know their job. And I think as time's gone on, we start to see that more and more. 
Um, and that's including with players coming off the bench too. Uh, and once that's happened, things have started to click a little bit more. And that's why after these this run of fixtures where the games, the results maybe haven't gone the way we wanted to on all occasions, um, we, we do feel like there's some positivity to take from it. Uh, so I think I've been quite impressed with Ranieri. Um, he's been a little bit more aggressive than I thought he would be um, with, with how we play off the ball. Um, but I think that comes down to... I think that comes down to how he utilises the players he has at his disposal. And that's something we've talked about at Watford for a long time. I know a lot of clubs have had the same discussion too. But having a head coach um, who comes in and, and makes the most of what he has, his assets, and looks to adapt his way of playing based on who's there, um, it's maybe particularly important to a team like Watford who change head coach so frequently because uh, obviously the, the coaches aren't having much say at all in recruitment so um, sometimes you'll be bringing in these coaches that have a certain style of playing and you know the squad's maybe a little bit of a mix and, and not something that's set particularly for their needs so we have to have people that are adaptive and you'd maybe think at this point of his career Ranieri would be a little bit more set in his ways but I think it's kind of been a, a staple of him over his career that he's able to make these little adjustments and um, I think so far it looks like he's doing a, a pretty good job of that so it's not going to be perfect um, because as I said we are taking risks but um, I, I think as time goes on those risks are becoming a little bit more educated and you can see that um, the, the timing of pressing and the timing of uh, attacks and, and counter-attacks has, has gotten better so it's definitely been an upward trajectory it's just hoping that we can continue in that way and actually you start to hopefully improve that defence a little bit as well. Also, similarly to Brentford, we, um, well, for probably different reasons, but we lost our goalkeeper, David Rea, pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it feels like a long time ago now, but it's only been a few games. It feels, feels like an eternity, but we've had to bring in Fernandez. I know you guys have goalkeeping issues of a different kind. I, I think I guess it's just fighting for this number one spot and then going back and forth. And what, what's, the, what's the deal with the keepers there? Who do you think it's going to who's playing or is it is it injury related now yeah so ben foster had an injury um there was a bit of controversy that was going i mean I'm not sure how much is this comes across to, to non-Watford fans, but it's been a heavy heavy point of discussion in Watford Twitter, and that's been um, Ben Foster's kind of off-the-field antics. And um, I, I think it, the fan base is relatively split on this, but a large portion... You mean, sorry, YouTube sensation, Ben? Yes, yeah, sorry, the ben cycling goalkeeper or cycling GK. I don't... Yeah. Um, <laughs> cycling GK. Is, is cycling that. GK. <laughs> Matt's better versed in this subject than I am, to be honest with you. But... Um, yeah, there's some there's some there's some issues there, and there's lots of criticism of Ben. Uh, Daniel Backman was obviously very highly thought of coming out of the championship last season, but since Ranieri came in uh, and towards the end of Cisco's reign, after after Backman had an injury, Foster kind of became the number one. He was seen to be the most trusted under under Ranieri too, um, and he had some he had some mixed performances. He had a couple of bad a couple of mistakes, but also you know he had also a couple of good games as you'd expect from Ben Foster, um, but. With the recent injury, he had a groin injury. That was talk that he did it during a charity match um, for Hashtag United, which obviously caused some some frustration amongst the fans. That turned out to be not completely accurate. Anyway, the, the situation we're in right now is that Daniel Beckman is most likely starting. I think Ben Foster's still out with a groin strain. Um, but it, it does seem that when fit, Foster is the preferred option. There's also some talk of Beckman as well of, wanting to leave and kind of wanting to look for some first team opportunities in January should he not be playing. Um, so the goalkeeper situation is an interesting one. I, I do think that, I do think the backman is a good goalkeeper. He actually played pretty well against City. He kept us, uh, he kept us in the game a few times. He made some good saves and he, he was, he was better. He's not the kind of the shot stop you maybe expect from Ben Foster, but he's, he's someone that can be a safe pair of hands. He, he, he can stop shots well. 
Um, and he seems to still be improving, in my opinion. So uh, the goalkeeper situation is one thing. I think it's maybe a little bit overshadowed by how poor the left-back and centre-back situation has been. Um, in, in the background, though, for the, before we leave the goalkeepers, it's been kind of... Um... There's also this news that's broken that Watford have signed um, a, six, a six million pound goalkeeper, uh, Maduka Okoy, who has claimed that he's going to be coming in as the number one next season. So mm-hmm. it um, kind of makes the the fight between Foster and Backman almost redundant because both of them kind of maybe know that uh, next season then they're. they're probably not going to be the number one at Watford. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the thing with Ben Foster. Obviously, his age, you're not, you're not planning. You can't kind of hitch a wagon to him too much because he is 38 or 39. And he's, you know, he's not going to be around forever. Uh, and with Backman too, I think last season was, a, he, he was definitely good enough for the last season for us. Um, it, it was it was an opportunity to for us to kind of do our due diligence on him and see um, what we kind of thought about him as a long-term option or not. But we, we've also, we, we've been quite, consistent in accumulating goalkeepers um, over the last few years and loaning them out. Pontus Dolberg's at, at Doncaster right now and he's kind of been, he's been looking quite promising. We have options there and I think obviously bringing the new guy there, um, it looks like we are kind of in that transitional phase of goalkeeping right now. Um, I think we would have liked to have think of thought that Backman would just be the one we could stick with, but uh, we had to find a way to kind of move on from Gomez um, when, when he left and, and kind of Foster was that guy, at least in the short term. I think we'd like to have a clearer idea of where we are now, um, but currently that's kind of where we're at. It could be either, but I think it's going to be um, Backman based on um, based on injury concerns for Foster again. Yeah, just thinking about protecting the protecting the goalkeeper a little bit more. Are you? Are you a little surprised you haven't come into this league with like a, a three five two or or something a bit more similar yeah. to that? And has would that have suited I know Sars out injured, I believe he got injured against Man United and it's quite serious. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we don't have the centre backs to play a three five two. That's the issue. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get is it is it just numbers would you yeah. do you think you would go that route but it's actually bodies? I think it's a it's a mixture. It's numbers, it's also quality too. Um I think we we don't possess the I think a we I think the majority of our centre backs suit playing in the back four. I don't like any of them currently in space. Um, I, I think if you had any of those in the outside centre back position, would be exposed quite heavily. So that's that's a weakness for one. Um, and then also you kind of add to that the overall quality of our centre backs, even as that more kind of traditional centre back is still I'd say below average. I think it's just too much of a weak point to to add that focus to. Um, I, I'm not sure it'd help our defensive situation. I think it's a, also too, yeah, the numbers is another issue. It's a position group that we've struggled to invest in. Um, I think with the, since the Potsos came in, we've we've definitely kind of had some bigger, some bigger spending, but it's predominantly in the forward midfield areas. I think defence is just so, so much easier to, to bring in the kind of the more budget friendly kind of veteran style players that we've able to, we've been looking to kind of find the value there and that allow us the freedom to spend a little more in, for, in forward areas. Um, that has punished us at times. I think that's been the main criticism, getting promoted to the, to the Premier League with the centre-backs we had and, and not really making any changes. And Cooley was a panic situation where we were able to bring him in and we were quite lucky actually because I know he's injured now, but he's a player of some quality uh, and we were quite fortunate to find him because we did have these, um, these concerns at centre-back going into the season and we took a gamble uh, and the gamble kind of failed or we lost that, that gamble pretty early on. We had some injuries start to pile up and we had to make that decision. So I think for all Watford fans, we'd like to see that centre-back invested in as a somewhat of a priority. I don't expect it to happen in January because we have, well, we, we just don't operate in the market like that. It's going to be a short-term option if it happened. Um, but in terms of playing that back three, I just think we're not quite good enough to do so. Um, 
I think honestly, I'm quite pleased to to see us try and compensate and protect that goalkeeper by defending a little bit more in forward areas and trying to use that front line. Because for me, the best offensive part of our team is our front line. Um, Emmanuel Dennis is an absolute machine when it comes to pressing off the ball. It is, it's insane how much he's able to get around the pitch and, and kind of close down space and force the opposition into playing the ball into areas they don't particularly want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when fit, you combine that with Ismail Assar and, and Josh King, who's also um, been very good at that. And I think you've got a really good front three there. And I think that just becomes a defensive foundation of your team. The centre-backs at this point are really just there to try and kind of play a little bit higher and try and mop up when they have to. But ultimately, we don't want them playing too deep. Um, we don't want them playing kind of in space. And we'll try and contain things and kind of, maybe be a little bit more assertive and, and force the other team into kind of playing a certain way rather than relying on our defensive structure because quite simply there's not enough structure for us. But um yeah also too I was gonna ask I was gonna ask you David. Um in terms of in terms of injury concerns, how so obviously we know Tony is a is a big blow for you. How how big of a blow is the suspect um suspension of Canos? Is that gonna change the way you play significantly or do you have kind of ready-made replacements there? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. I, I think against Leeds, he came inside a little bit and had a bit more of a, a free roll just to, just to try and affect the game centrally. Um, he's been rooted to the wings and and been doing a lot of extra defensive work, trying to cover the as the wing-back position, like tucking in as that part of the five and then getting forward as well. So there is an element of feeling like a lot of his energy is wasted and then seeing him come inside against Leeds, we looked, we looked lively, we looked dangerous, good high turnovers and winning the ball. So he, he is going to be a loss, but there's a player that we have waiting that we're just desperate to get. I, th- I think he's a big part of our season going forward. His name is Johan Wisser. Mm-hmm. And we signed him from Lorient. Um, really like just a really classy wide forward. He just can play anywhere across the front three or four positions. Um, tricky on the ball, can go past people. Um, good turn of pace, really good ball striking, um, good vision. He He's just an all-round decent attacker. And I think he could be the difference in us looking at a couple of sort of blank score lines mm-hmm. versus a couple of goals. Um Saw a little glimpse of his quality against Leeds in transition. Um, and Bremer and Tony aren't going to be enough for us this season. I think if, we, if we're if we stuck with them playing, I think we might just come up a bit short. Um, we need a little bit more quality around them and then just to give them a break as well. Like These games are quite intense. So, so Wiss is really the guy that we're looking to bring into the team and hopefully get his first... I think this will be his first start against Watford if he does come into the starting lineup. Um, a player you probably remember from last season, Marcus Force. Mm. Um We've kept him. We've kept him close and let him come up into the Premier League, which is probably a big error. I think even last year I could see that his future definitely doesn't rely lie at like sort of elite football at Brentford, especially maybe somewhere else on the continent. But they've kept him close, probably with a view as like rewarding some of his good work and um, and uh, yeah, how how much he's sort of committed himself to Brentford. And but he's he's not good enough to support Tony and come in and play a lone role or or really link up and, and make himself a danger in the Premier League. So we're kind of carrying a player there that isn't really going to do much. Um, but yeah, the forward line, Wiss is the one that we we need to come in. Stepping back a little bit in midfield, we have um, we just have a lot of players coming back from injury, like Baptiste is just coming back from a long spell out. Um, Frank Onyeka is a big signing from Midtjylland. He's he's kind of looked like he's about to get going, then something happens, he's out of the team for a little bit. I think coming from Denmark into England is... Is a, I mean, he's got Champions League experience, but that, that intensity of the matches here compared to what he'd have been playing week in, week out in Denmark, plus the odd Champions League match. I, I think he's adjusting physically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Janelt had a bit of a spell out as well. 
Uh, is is Salmon Godos? Is, is he is he is he out at the minute? No, no, he's um he's fit. He's able to play. I, I think he's just slightly down the pecking order. I, I think if you look at some of the other midfield we have, there's there's a little bit more power there. There's a little bit more athleticism and and movement. Godos is a really clever player in terms of the spaces he picks up and and yeah, getting forward and connecting with the forward line. But physically, getting up and down the pitch, getting back into our our three five two shape, and then attacking. He, he's a little bit laboured compared to some of the others. Like the others are athletes, and you can see the slight difference in physicality when he plays. So he's got to he's got to really work hard to get into his te- into this team. And there are matches where he he looked quite good, I think, especially against teams who sit a bit deeper. But I think in a match, for instance, against Leeds, it, it wasn't the one for him. And I think they got the team selection selection right there but who knows he might play against you guys a little bit more um well yeah it's interesting that's probably led on quite well i know you're asking me some more injuries we we have um ask me about injuries we do have zanka out injured as well and aya is a, another big loss for the defense but let's i think move on to the midfield a little bit because i think that's quite an interesting matchup like we're quite a young a young team looking to yeah looking to move up in in the football world compared to you guys um sissoko cleverly uh, Kuchka, these guys have been around the block. Um, how do you think? How do you think the matchup's going to going to look there? Do you think you guys can cope with our <laughs> with us, or or where do you think it's going to go? Yes, yeah, so our midfield. Um, the, yeah, the midfield that matchup should be pretty interesting in terms of our midfield. We've kind of had a well, it's been a it's been a strange kind of transition. Really, we we definitely started the season with an accumulating some industrial kind of hard working. Uh, good off the ball, not the most progressive through midfield centre midfielders. Um, but as time's gone on, we've kind of a little, had a little bit of adaptation, kind of forced into it actually in some ways. Kind of maybe you could even argue similar to the Tony situation where uh, Imran Loser, who was one of our big signings in the summer, he was brought in uh, to, to play in, in, in central midfield, and he, he never really kind of got into the team. He had a couple of opportunities early on, um, but wasn't really fancied, and uh, kind of through circumstance and injuries, now he's been brought into the team, which has kind of been quite promising. I think we've a lot of fans that have watched him play and kind of looked into him a little bit of like what they've seen and he's he's a good midfielder he's done well for Morocco too and he's played over this time for his for his country and he's, he's done well in those games uh, he's, a, he's a mobile small athletic pressing midfielder but he's also got some quality on the ball uh, he can deliver the ball but he can play in some different spaces and he's, he's definitely much more positive in possession than the others um, so having him, him in the team has been a, a real bonus for us um, I think he he fits Ranieri perfectly, and he he actually played quite deep against City. He was our deepest midfielder for large large portions of the game, and part of that is his, his use of the ball when he gets possession. He's someone that can kind of spur on attacks, but also one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, he is quite busy off the ball too, and that's been that's been a real plus. Um, alongside him... Um, Musa Sissoko has been actually fantastic. He's really grown into uh, grown into this season. Um, the last couple of games, he's been excellent at kind of winning the ball back and carrying that ball forwards. It's something we've not really had since Decore left. Um, but it, someone that's able to carry that ball and, and just transition that play and, and be that powerful runner. Um, he, he's not the kind of most clinical when you get through on goal, but he's someone that's able to carry that ball forward and help, um, especially for a team that's looking to counterattack as we do quite often um, and press again and win that ball back in some dangerous areas. He's been he's been great. And then Tom Cleverley, he's a known quantity really. If you if you want to play that style of football, then you know you could do much worse than Tom Cleverley. He's going to give you that every single time. You might be wanting in some other areas, but um, he, he's been really good. And as as Ranieri has kind of got a little bit more comfortable in, in allowing our team to play in a certain way, I think Cleverley's been more and more important to that. Um, so we've also got some other options too. Um, two fan on the bench. He's he's someone that's a, a little bit more creative, someone that's a bit more of a ball player, but doesn't necessarily fit what we're trying to do um, right now in terms of that energy off the ball. So it should be quite interesting. We don't allow too much space, don't allow too much time. Um, and quite honestly, I'd imagine our focus will be trying to trying to cut off that space as much as possible and hopefully kind of force you into playing across that back line as much as we can. I guess you guys have got a lot to prove and you're probably coming into this slightly better form, having not like disgraced yourself against like the Man City, Chelsea, and um, putting in quite good performances. Um, Dennis is going to be quite interesting out on the wing, I think. Have you watched much of him? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm really impressed, actually. I'm really impressed against Chelsea. I thought you were really unlucky against Chelsea. Um, they were not at their best. You guys created some good chances. Um, he was really lively coming out on that right side. It's quite interesting to see a right side, a right footer play out on that right wing and just him give you good width out there. I think mm-hmm. with Brentford's team, this three five two, we can we can look a little bit... The, the wings can be a bit exposed. I think if he gets beyond the wing back and on the other side of Henry and then gets up against Pinnock a little bit more, dragging Pinnock out wide, there could be some joy for you there. But mm. King as well, I, I think the two of them just link up well. I think that's probably what we've been lacking where where we have Tony and Mbemo as the forward line. I think with King and Dennis and Dennis coming in off the wing, you, you've got players that A, can come to feet, but also can spin in behind as well. And it's just it looks quite good. And Jao Pedro from the left too is a, is a different option as well because he's quite able to. I mean, he played centrally for us the, the majority of last season, so he's someone that's quite happy at kind of isolating players in one on one kind of wide areas. But also, he's more than comfortable in central positions too, and quite a physical player at times as well, um, which is quite an interesting combination. I think actually, in terms of Josh King. Um, we were discussing this in the in the previous episode we, we recorded um, regarding the the city game. We were talking about Josh King, and I think he's he's a real a real asset to us. And in my opinion, he's almost the kind of the ideal front man for a team 
backs such as kind of Watford or even around the level that Brentford are at the moment too, where there's someone that just offers so much um, aside from goal scoring. He's not in there to just be scoring goals. He kind of have goal threat from other positions and he's someone that can, he can really hold the ball up much better than I actually was aware that he could do. Um, but in terms of getting into wide areas, closing down space, but also uh, taking advantage of some, some kind of, Little little areas of space that are maybe maybe a little bit exposed um, in the opposition. He's, he's smart at finding those gaps. Um, he's a good outlet, and that's something that's really benefited us, especially when you're looking to build a counterattack and you need someone to kind of give you that second on the ball. He's someone that's done an excellent job for that. And I do wonder if that's something that Brentford would really really benefit from is someone similar in the sense that it gives you that time to kind of get yourselves upfield and get your get your wall back, uh, your fullbacks and wingbacks, sorry, up into those more advanced positions, and that might help that kind of breakdown in play. Which which is definitely something which I was hoping we'd address and we did a quite quite a good job in. Um, is that a position that you talk about force there too? And is, is that a position mm-hmm. that you kind of hoped that would be addressed uh, coming into the season? Regardless if you're playing at three at the back, it's almost kind of necessary for us, uh, the teams around our level. Is that something you kind of hoped or not? During the summer, we did our preseason look around the country and look around the leagues and think about sort of midfielders, defenders, attackers, who we'd like to bring in and where we were missing. And it was clear that Behind Tony, we didn't have much up front. We were looking really light. And Jake, who's B's Analytica, quite a shrewd scout himself now. He works for an EFL club. I think it's probably common. I won't say who he works for. But we were looking through players and just looking at talent. And, and Josh King kept popping up. And he, he put him forward to me. He was like, do you think Brentford should be going for Josh King? And I was I laughed at him when I said that. <laughs> maybe we can do better than that should we and how much he'd cost versus how much we bring him in but you look at his performances and what he's done so far and sometimes led the line on his own um he's looked a really good outlet and I think actually it would have been a bit of a I think if we had I mean the problem is we'd have is how would you how would you dovetail the two how would you have Tony in your ranks and someone like Josh King as well one of them needs to play a lot and it would be difficult to get them into the same team. But I think he was really... It was a really good partnership, though, wouldn't they? In that 3-5-2? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think so. I'm not sure. I think... I don't know how much they would be. I'm not sold on that. I don't know. They they could be. I'd have to see it. And uh, I think there are qualities where you think they blend well together. But um, how, how did sure Everton how... play last year? And, and, and why was King not effective there? Was, was it because they were playing in a, in a two? I think it's also the pecking order was an issue too, wasn't it? Yeah, and also when when Josh King was signed for Everton, he was signed as as somewhat of a backup, kind of based on the fact that he was available and they thought it was decent value and they thought it was someone to, to contribute. It was more, I'd say, the, I mean, obviously we know Everton's, Everton's recruitment is questionable at best. And I think it's more of um, quality available than fit. So I think when they actually did have him in the squad, when it came to having a t- chance to utilise him, he wasn't someone that necessarily fit the team. He was just someone that's a a pretty decent footballer who was available to them. So I think it was more about um, kind of blending him into the team and actually getting the most out of him where it was, wasn't a, it wasn't really an environment for him to succeed. Um, and it just, it panned out exactly how I think a lot of people would have feared. But it, I think kind of bringing him into Watford does show that obviously he still has quality, he's still a good player. Um, but playing him in a team which suits him um, I, I obviously is going to get the most out of him. I think he's really doing that right now. I, I honestly wasn't aware that he was as good at leading the line on his own as he is. Um, that was a kind of misjudgment on my on my behalf there. But um, I, I think right now where he is, he's playing some really good football. And there was a lot of talk about his goal drought. Obviously, he ended that against Everton, which was satisfying. But 
um, it, it's not really the primary concern for me. I think it's just so much what he offers elsewhere, especially when we have goal threat from the likes of Dennis and Pedro and Saar when he's a fit or, or Chucha Hernandez too. We have options to be creative in other areas to score goals from. So having someone that's able to contribute like that, it's something we had from Troy Deeney for so long and it's it's much more of a modern version. Um, it, it's obviously a different way that he plays, but he is someone that can be a focal point and can be an outlet, but in a in a more uh, a more modern way, I'd say, and something that suits the kind of the way we look to play right now a little bit more. I've got to shoot now, guys, but um, carry on. And uh, thank you for uh, allowing Good to chat yeah, well, to you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for joining us, Matt. Sorry, unfortunately, you have to go. Um, but we will continue to ramble on and Matt will be sorely missed. But you'll be hearing back from him in no time with the, uh, the kind of breakdown of the game as it unfolds on Friday. So thanks for joining us, Matt. Pleasure as always. Thank yeah, you. Cheers, you do, Matt. Me, do me justice. <laughs> we will. We'll honour you. <laughs> We'll try. We'll try. Um, that's a good point. Uh, what I was just thinking about now was rounding off a couple of our previous games and um, and how this might relate to that. I, I think you're a little bit of a different team, and I, I think we are in some respects as well. I think we both both teams have improved and and rounded off a couple of like harsh edges which which needed work on. Mm. But if you think about the games, uh, the last game we played was that. Um, I think it, it was 2-0 wasn't it it was the, the season was done like you were already promoted mm-hmm. I think we were trudging along to the playoffs and we won 2-0 the, the game prior was um, Ethan Pinnock was sent off and we actually with 10 men got a 1-1 draw against you guys mm-hmm. I, I think you're a bit of a different beast now aren't you I think you, you move the ball better I think you've got more power in midfield I think you've got more variety across the whole team instead of that that team that sat in that mid to low block and looked to counter through yeah maybe Sarah Pedro. we're a very different side yeah um I, I think the thing this is this is the difficulty with assessing Watford and especially opposition too because we're changing the way we approach things so quickly so often um you'll recognize some of the personnel but in terms of the playing style it's it's, it's polar opposite honestly um, I think you can take some kind of some things away from the individual matchups, um, but in terms of a unit as a collective, I think it, it's a very different outfit. Cisco was very um, he was very one dimensional. He was very kind of one note, and I think that that low block and and effectively we just bullied teams with quality um, for, for large portions, and we used the likes of Sar and you know Pedro to try and overpower teams without kind of finding a more nuanced or little bit more sophisticated way of breaking teams down we just kind of threw our good players at you obviously that's not enough now um so I think you're going to see something a little bit different there but um I mean I guess that also goes for Brentford too you've also had to change your your way of playing as well maybe we saw a little hint of it um when you did play against the top teams such as us and Norwich you kind of saw a little bit more of that Uh, not conservative but a little bit more of a pragmatic approach from Brentford I'm guessing you're kind of having to kind of see that a little bit more regularly now. And it could be something that you're kind of growing into and finding ways to be a little bit more effective in that manner. That's my assessment anyway. But is is that the case? You think, do you feel like you're, is that how you've adapted to the league? Have you just started to, you started to kind of get a little bit more comfortable in not being the dominant team and trying to find ways to be productive from that? Yeah, yeah. I think we've been building for that for um, a good season or so. I, I think just leaning on your shape a little bit more, just being more comfortable and like confident that you're not going to concede when you're just sat out to the ball and quite deep. Mm -hmm. And you're just saying, right, teams cross, you can put it in from wide. We're happy defending our box like that. Um, You're not going to get through the middle because we're trying to get those three midfielders narrow and block that off. Um, Do you still have the change of gear in you? We, we do. I think we've shown it in points this season. I think Chelsea was a really impressive display. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they kept us out. I mean, how we didn't score in that, I don't know. But that was that was us just unleashing unleashing everything we had at Chelsea, and um, we probably should have got a goal in that match. But yeah, we do. I think as the season's gone on, we've looked less and less like we have another gear in us. <laughs> and yeah. Obviously, what I've been saying about Tony, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. A lot of our a lot of our game is being defensively solid and just being able to build and hold possession deep, and then moving from there and seeing where we can seeing where it can take us and mm. as we've as we've gone on this season I think our forward play has looked a little bit laboured and teams are starting to suss us out a little bit and we need a bit more <clears throat> we need a bit more focus on how we're attacking and I think with Tony out of the side we might see <clears throat> some of the other players come to the fore a little bit but but yeah you, you're right though I think um, us being an underdog in matches is definitely where we've been aiming for for years because it's just known isn't it you're not going to come into the Premier League and do a Leeds and just be like this good attacking team and outscore teams. It's you don't it's want to be like Norwich. <laughs> no, no, definitely not a Leeds or a Norwich. Just you don't want to be a Norwich, and you're not probably going to become a Leeds. Yeah. So it's it's a tough balance to find, and I think that's that's one of the. Um, I think that's something that's often under discussed when it comes to the way that that our owners kind of run things and the way they kind of move their coaches around. There is sometimes a. Yeah, kind of a there is some sense to it like changing things depending on the situation you're in it's a much different task getting promoted to staying in the division it's it's a much different task and you haven't got much turnaround to suddenly shift the entire mentality of a, of a club um but it has to be done in some way so it's interesting to see how different teams approach it i think the good thing with brentford is i think you've done a good job of um of having staff and personnel which are quite quite open-minded and quite able to adapt and, and play in different ways and, and kind of change and alter things it, it seems quite a smart setup from top to bottom not just how the clubs run but also the types of players you bring in too um, which also helps that transition um, but yeah we kind of gone for two different options there so it's a real kind of contrast in styles uh, in terms of the way clubs are run but also in terms of the, the way the two teams will be playing which should be should be quite interesting yeah so following on from that a little bit um, just talking about us being a better underdog and um being better out of possession and just making sure we're solid and trying not to concede, not concede simple goals. Basically, they've got to be good goals you're conceding. What that does as well is you're obviously having a lot less of the ball. And then um, when you do have the ball, I think there's just this increased pressure on you being basically good or quality or being or using that ball well. And I think that's where we've come unstuck a little bit this season. I think quality in transition and and maybe just some of the technical flaws of our players at key moments, you, those get exposed a bit more because you might not have the ball for five minutes and then you have got this big counter-attack and, and break away. And similarly with last year, and we, we've seen what type of a player Mbomo is, he, he works really hard, gets into good positions, but technically inaccuracy and those kinds of things let him down a little bit. And that that's what's a little bit frustrating with this season. I think we're doing the defensive side okay. We have We've had a little bit of a blip, but those counter-attacking moments you, you need to be making the most of those and I think at the top end of this league and maybe even in the middle as well when teams are breaking away like 2v1 3v2 they're getting these options and, and positions we we look a little bit lacking in those areas like like some of our players look they look a little bit slow and that defenders are able to give them a few yards and get round them and still make a challenge when they should be well out of the game and not been let in so mm. 
that's a little bit of frustration with the style we're adopting and and it is a little bit of a quality issue i mean we 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 are under resourced compared to other teams mm. but um yeah i yeah. mean that's something we've definitely experienced for, for sure um I, I think the difference i think that's why honestly it's it's been very satisfying for me or, or kind of relieving to to see us play in the way we do i think that's the nice thing about playing that kind of high press off the ball style where you, you kind of force the opposition into giving you opportunities um and kind of get yourself a little bit of a foot in the door when it comes to making those chances and not having to rely on your own quality to carve it out through possession um, because it can be difficult to do, especially with some of the some of the players we have at our disposal. We Especially as we kind of touched on earlier, that midfield in general is definitely more of a more of a kind of industrial working, I'd say positive off the ball midfield unit. Um, they're not going to be the sort of players that are going to sit deep and, and kind of spur on attacks and be incisive with possession, but they are capable of forcing play deep and then hopefully with that front line getting some turnovers. That's a different way of adapting to it because over the years we definitely have struggled with um, with having players that are able to consistently um, play the ball forward and the, the change and the patterns of play that you start to adapt in the in, in the championship is hard to replicate. Um, obviously, the quality is different and it just requires so much more uh, so much more kind of preciseness and pace to the passing and it's just difficult to replicate so I think you do have to find ways to adapt and that's something that comes with time but again um, you have to be somewhat open-minded to changing things I think that kind of goes back to what you're talking about Tony, to, with Tony um, him being out possibly just gives you a different avenue a different idea of how to how to get towards goal and it might be something that serves you quite well going on for the rest of the season even when Tony rec- recovers and, and comes back into the team perhaps it at least opens some different doors for you yeah yeah we'll watch it I, I mean it's a good experiment that we're going to see like I mean, everyone's everyone's thinking like, how does this team move on from from missing from missing Tony for a period? But it might just be okay. Um, I just fall back on the Leeds game a little bit as well because I was just looking as I was watching the match back and um, chatting to the All Stats Army guys. We, we were talking about how big a loss Tony was, and I was saying that I mean, it's obviously may have been coming and um, it could have been great but in terms of attacking play we scored two goals up at Leeds and I, and I think if Tony was on the pitch I'm not sure we'd have got those goals but then conversely in defence um, we conceded two and one of them was from a corner late on where Tony is such a pivotal player for us with that like yeah. blocking near post position so you're looking at it and thinking would we have scored two probably not but would we have conceded two probably not so when he's on the pitch I, I think just his general play makes the game a tighter game like because mm-hmm. of how good he works off the ball sorry do you find him do you find him being that um that easy out ball a little too often he's kind of a com- he's kind of a safety safety net for your defenders or midfielders at times where it's just uh, I mean we had that massively with Dini it was very unproductive but that kind of situation where it's okay we're under pressure here we could take a risk in retaining possession but the, the safe thing mm-hmm. is to do is to try and find Tony and Tony's obviously good at bringing that ball and taking it into control even if it's defeat too you, there's ways to find Tony it's not just kind of hoofing up to his head like we did with Troy so often but do you find that it kind of somewhat breaks down or, or maybe cuts out other avenues of getting forward or perhaps a more patient manner of getting forward or more incisive just by simply going to Tony because it's an easier option yeah absolutely you couldn't be more spot on I think um, against Leeds uh, I think we played our third lowest number of long balls um, uh, this season which is I think that's quite significant in like just determining like style and and how quick you're exactly what you're saying like how quickly you're going from defense to attack Um, I think um, I think it forces you into thinking differently I think some of the rotations of players we saw against Leeds were really impressive. And I think the general consensus was that was one of our best performances since, yeah, since like some of the early games where we were looking 
quite good because we had that unknown quantity that that unknown factor so so yeah i mean there's pros and cons to it as well i think there's a couple of situations where we'd have liked tony to be in the box with some of the balls we put in but then would our build-up play have got to that stage and we'd have got that ball into the box anyway maybe not um another situation is there was a couple of times when we gave the ball away when we were breaking away and looked in a really good position tony may have dropped deep and we wouldn't we'd have had another runner spinning behind whereas in this instance we had two runners trying to spin in behind and no one coming deep and we end up giving the ball away and getting counter-attacked and and then we concede a goal mm. so there's there's pros and cons to it it's really hard to think exactly how you perform with and without a player but I think it's it's just those key moments, isn't it? Like how high are those key moments? How good are they? As in like what you're doing when you're going forward, like how pivotal are they? And then defensively, what are you losing when he's not on the pitch? And we probably looked a little weaker without him in the team defensively. But those high moments of the play we were able to generate on the edge of Leeds' box, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we could have got those if he was on the pitch. So it's, it's really difficult. Yeah, well, I think also too watching the watching the game against Leeds in particular, I think the way that um, the way that Canos was able to kind of operate as a, a much different style of forward. He was playing a little bit deeper. He's kind of making some different runs. Just a very very different style, and I think it does open some some options for you. And it's it's tough because you say you want to have that that quality in your team. You, you don't want to take Tony out of there, but there is also the element of um, variety. And and when we talk about passing lanes going forward, it is so difficult to progress the ball from that back three if you're not. Um, if you're not, you know, super assertive and able to control games from the, the level of quality and possession, which you were able to perhaps in the championship, you do have to find um, find ways to get forward. And so often that comes from movement. And if you can overload those spaces, um, if you can almost play somewhat, of a, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily Canals is playing a false nine, but if you can kind of replicate some of that positional play, um, then you suddenly become a much more dangerous outfit, especially when you are mobile. Um, you can you can compensate for getting out of position and dropping deeper if you do have the the mobility to get forwards too. And not that Tony is immobile, but he, he's not going to be someone that's going to be playing in spaces that the likes of Canos will do, or even in Bremo too. Um, so when you have two of those forwards, it does give you a different option, even if they're not perhaps the the threat in the box uh, and perhaps the kind of level of finisher that Tony is. Sometimes uh, in, in, the, in the Premier League, in, in kind of my experience of watching a, a team around this level, um, you, it's more about the, the number of chances you can create because the, the reality of the situation is you're going to be playing against good goalkeepers, good defenders, good midfielders that are going to stop chances. You need to find a way to create quantity because relying on low low numbers of opportunities and kind of finding those low probability efforts on goal, um, it, it's difficult to it's difficult to be productive consistently. And I don't think if you're if you're operating at that level in that bottom half of the table, clearly you don't have the quality of those around you. So you have to kind of maximize those attempts on goal and find ways to get shots on goal because you can't rely or we couldn't certainly for a long time on scoring those two or three chances we had a game. Um so I think if you have if you've got those players that can kind of provide you something a little bit different, even if it's from the bench at times too, it is definitely a, a real positive. And uh, again, that Leeds game, I thought we saw quite a lot of that for you. Yeah, I think we did. And I, I think that's the way I've wanted us to go. It's, it's really interesting how you talk about that because I, I think that the overall strategy would have been the, the opposite. I think they, what it looked like we're trying to do is have a really low number of chances, but make sure they're of a really high quality. So when you do have the ball, make sure it gets forward really quickly, sometimes too urgently, um, just in sort of counter. Whenever you win the ball, basically, don't take too long to get the ball forward. And then because Tony and Bremo aren't of this, they aren't of top, top quality, like the the, the high quality you might see in some other teams. Um, 
it looks a little bit rushed. And I think they got away with it in the early stages of the season just because of that that unknown factor. But now trying to get the ball as early as forward early as we do, it looks it, it's just it looks a little bit hopeful. And I think teams are sort of watching for it and, uh, and able to clean up. So what you're saying is probably how I view it. Like maybe we do need to be able to create more chances and then ask more questions more often rather yeah. than like those one or two really high quality chances which you're hoping you can convert and and as you're saying like that that's a risky strategy in itself because a you're hoping that you haven't conceded two or three to begin with but also it's a huge responsibility that that's what I was trying to get at with just these limited number of possessions you have in this league now because you're obviously playing against better opposition what what are you doing when you have the ball are mm. are you rushing are you finding players in good space is it are, are you trying to make too much of these possessions when really it's it's not going to see you through because ultimately the quality you have isn't exactly where you want it or need it to be to to punish some of these moments. So no, there's, there's a balance to be had for sure. I think I, I personally, my my own personal opinion on this, is I think you have to adopt a level of chaos in, into your forward line to to be productive. I think it's very hard to it's very hard to be considered and incisive in in some of these moments because you just don't have the quality to do so and you put you put pressure on and talking about things this is obviously an intangible that's hard to hard to, to gauge mm. but I do think you put you you accumulate pressure on your forwards to execute and I don't think it's it's something that can last um, throughout the course of the season you have these kind of hot spells but I think it's a it's a very risky strategy um, I think the risk of asking your, your forwards to finish a limited number of chances is bigger than the risk that you take by throwing numbers forwards at times and, and, and getting hit and punished for doing so personally. Um, maybe that's more, maybe that opinion is more based on, on what I've seen from Watford in terms of how our squad build up is. Perhaps it's a little bit unfair than maybe teams that could do it a little bit better than us and Brentford might be an example of that. But um, I do just believe my own kind of philosophies on these things is that you need to have a level of aggression and try and assert yourselves on games when you can. Um, because being passive and not that Brentford have been passive I'd say it's more co- more considered than passive but um, I do think it puts you in a position where it's, it's difficult because you need to have these chances on goal and I think obviously your last game against Leeds you had you had a decent number of shots during that game kind of double what you had almost against Tottenham obviously you'd expect that um, being against Tottenham but just getting those numbers forwards and allowing those shots on goal, you, you have to try and find these these opportunities to actually take these chances because it, it's a tough league to to come back from if you do miss one of those big ones and it's a fine margin. The match against Leeds, we we looked lively up front. I mean, Leeds aren't Spurs; like we they defend in a completely different way. Leeds go for a man marking system, and course, and Leeds yeah. lost um, Calvin Phillips at quite a pivotal time when and the the game definitely turned when he went off, and you could see that we were able to to basically get possession where we weren't before and then get on the edge of their box and 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 flick balls through that that weren't able to even be thought of before so yeah it's mm. it's almost like you you got to look at who you're playing as well that that comes into it and maybe there was always this thought that against Leeds that we would be a bit more ambitious because they're a weaker side defensively than a Spurs say because I definitely mm. got that feeling like uh, maybe maybe not giving enough credit to how much they're going into games because against Spurs we felt a little bit more conservative um we went longer more often. Um, obviously, we're worried about them on the counter attack. They've got like two of the fastest players in the in the division. But um, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup with us. Um, as we as we start to round up, then because we're on this sort of hour mark, aren't we? What where do you think this is going to be won and lost, Jordan? What do you what do you think it's going to come down to? I think a lot of it will come down to. I think it'll be your use of the ball across the back line. Um, I think it'll be about how you find that space in midfield, how you can get that ball forwards. 
Um, I, I think for us, we're going to be, we don't like to keep possession at the back. We don't like to overplay things. I think we like to try and be uh, quite quite forward thinking with the ball in the sense we like to get it forward quite early. Um, we're not looking to retain a lot of possession. I know obviously Brentford not looking to retain as much as they have done previously either, but I just think the way you're set up is going to naturally lend it to you um, to have more of that possession. So I think the game is won and lost on how you deal with that front line of ours pressing you on the ball. Um, if you're able to control possession, play into midfield, and your midfielders are able to find space and look for avenues forward, you're going to have opportunities to attack us. You've got that movement up front. Um, I think this is a good game for you to be without Tony in the sense of that extra movement, extra mobility up front, I think will hurt us because that is somewhere we struggle. Um, and also not just up front, uh, sorry, not through the centre, but also from our, our left back position too. So I think it's a good opportunity there, but you have to make it, you have to get the ball to your forwards and I think it has to be um, pulling our midfielders around. And it's a tough job to do, um, but I, I think you're, I think both teams are quite evenly matched, just in a very different manner. Um, I think it should be a good a good style of play. It should be a good game. Um, and I'm hoping that it will be somewhat close, but obviously I'm hoping Watford will come out on top. But um, I am fearful of um, of Brentford being able to cut through our lines. And if you do so, that's that's a game run for you. How about yourself? What, what do you, where do you feel this? Where's the, where's the kind of real turning point of this fixture for you? I think it's probably uh, without Tony. I think it could come down to our attacking set pieces as well, um, mm-hmm. and obviously defensive as well. Um, yeah, go go over that leads that leads defensive because the, the last the last minute winner there. How how are you feeling about or equaliser? Sorry, how are you feeling about that from from about? It wasn't last minute, was it? It was the end of the first half. But how how did you feel? No, no, about it was that? yeah, yeah. Was you it were last right. minute? It was the last minute of the okay, second. It was yeah, the yeah, it was like the ninety fifth yes. minute. Okay, yeah. 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 So it, yeah, it was a brutal brutal ending to the game. I think. Um, that's that's why I was talking about how much Tony was missed, but that first blocker on the on the near post, um, just that zonal position that Tony picks up, that's where he sits for us. So anything coming in near, he challenges for. He's got that height, he's got that commitment, concentration late in the game. Um, instead of him being there, we had Christopher Norgard there, and then behind him, Rico Henry's one of the actual blockers, like one of our smallest players, just yeah. to try and disrupt a big person coming. And and I, I think what you saw and what you probably lose with Tony is that that concentration, that that aptitude right into the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the ball was flicked on and Bamford picks up the second contact and it's just in. It, I don't think we can see that goal if Tony's on the pitch. Or if we do, it's going to be a lot. It goes in a lot. It, it takes more basically to go in than it did. And <clears throat> that that's where I'm thinking... We could be, we could look a little bit weaker here. Um, Zonal marking is also a horrible thing to see when the goalkeeper comes up because it instantly breaks. It's it it, it just like, just looking <laughs> yeah. back at the goal now. It's just it's, it's it's terrible. There's nothing worse than when you see a zonal marking set piece and you watch you watch that second of kind of the first touch on the ball and you just see a flat a flat line of yellow <laughs> shirts and then you know that staggered white shirts in between the spaces and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's it's really unfortunate. But as you say, that that near post and the. Enrico Henry is not able to kind of be effective in that block. He's on his ass by the time no, the ball gets no. back in there, and it's yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, look again, we've been very susceptible to set pieces for a long time too, and I definitely sympathise with that. Um, oh god, I was just going to say, I don't think Leeds are an exceptional set piece team. I mean, no. I think they're just okay, and that's what's frustrating as well. But I think if you watch it carefully, the more angles I've seen it, and you can see um, Norgard is just inches from getting his head on that first clip and or just putting in a challenge and um yeah tony's just been so good at that this year just that near post just making sure that he wins those and he's first there and if it does come off someone else he's making the next deflection and mm. it, it just all went too well in Leeds' favor and that's going to be um 
yeah, him not being there is going to be a big loss, and they, they'll probably be looking at this this few games or how they how they make sure that zone's marked better. But yeah, it's it's not just a, it's obviously just a combination, isn't it? You've got you've got a bit yeah. of zonal in that area, then you've got some other blockers and runners, and then some other who go man to man a little bit on the back post, and mm-hmm. it was just a fall down of the whole system. And that that's the thing I was saying about time. It's the ninety fifth minute. Everyone's done basically, aren't they? They're like, surely we can't concede this late. Yeah. Everyone's knackered. You've been you've been playing Leeds. You've been driving you mad. You're in an away stadium, and it just all it takes such a small just, percentage of drop and it's it's, yeah. all, it's and that's I, what it was it was just such a fraction drop and it's in that's the premier league though unfortunately and without getting too much into the debate of zonal versus man marking as well i think if you are in my opinion if you are slightly less adept at defending set piece i think a zonal was a, such a risky way to go um I, I think i think when you have a team that's not or would, would you say brentford struggle with set pieces in general defensively is that like an issue for you does tony compensate no, no, for I, that think or we, I think we're quite good but obviously tony's yeah. built into that no we're quite a good team from defensive set pieces i think we're, yeah. we're strong we've got some big guys i mean i is six foot seven but he's been out of the team for a while zanku i think six foot six or five but he's obviously been out of the mm-hmm. team and losing david ray is a big part as well fernandez is almost like um i don't want to be too harsh but sometimes he's looked like a competition winner just playing yeah. for a premier league team and he's just he's very small in goal um he's okay at shot stopping but like yeah we, most goalkeepers are these days aren't they? that's what they're there for they're shot stopping but it's those it's those big moments where you need them to clean out three players and win yeah. the ball or take it high under pressure or, or clean up crosses those are when he looks a little bit susceptible I will say too, that's a big part as well kind of one of the reasons why I don't like to see that zonal mark in the last I know it's difficult to shift depending on time but I think in the last uh, few minutes especially as you say when you're playing against a team like Leeds you, you're tired it's a 95th minute I think in zonal it's easy to hide from your responsibility a little bit at least when you're man mark and you've got a very defined job um and especially when they get more numbers into the box and you, you, the zone can kind of be thrown at the window when you're kind of expecting um to be defending against teams that are having someone on the halfway line and not having a goalkeeper in the box and it it becomes a bit chaotic and i know it's difficult to change that and you do see some teams that will adapt um depending on time um time of set pieces coming in but it, it is one where you can see just try i wish there was a i wish there was a higher view i wish i had a full full picture view of the whole the whole positioning before the ball comes in but it does look like a, a situation which was having to be adapted to on the fly and it's, it's too difficult to do so once that ball comes in you're kind of almost just responsible for your zone but you're also having to kind of think outside of it a little bit too mm. and it's uh yeah it's unfortunate but that's why these last minute goals can be so common for set pieces mm. yeah. well yeah, having said that you'll probably score a lot on <laughs> set piece against us now so yeah offensive ones are okay yeah no, we're fine with that we're fine with that um yeah, do you want to? Where do you want to finish up with? What yeah, I think honestly, I think we've do? covered a lot of stuff. Um, I did actually oh, kind of think of it. We are pushing on pretty late, aren't we? Um, but I did actually forget we did ask some questions and questions, didn't we? Um, yeah, let's do a couple of questions. I'll cover those real quick. They are they are particularly um, Watford focused, so we'll run through. I'll run through a couple of ones quickly, which we can answer just in a couple of sentences here. I got one which is asking how for how long Adam Massner is out. I think that's still undetermined, but it sounds like a long time. Um, so it could be maybe into March, April, from what I understand. Um, another quick one. Um, in terms of what changes, so this is from Nick, uh, what, what are some changes that Ranieri made or is making and how do those look on the field? Um, not to trash Munoz, I'm curious uh, how, similarly, how similar rosters perform so differently. I think we covered that um, in, in discussion earlier, um, kind of inadvertently, we kind of covered those those points there and how Ranieri has really shifted the approach and he's got the most out of the players we have available to us and he's also um, capitalised on um, 
on some of the situations in regards to squad building and and how he can use those players to, to fit his his tactical wants. Um, so yeah, just shifting that whole mentality of the team. I think that's where he deserves a lot of credit um, for kind of being able to do so so quickly. It's only been a few weeks. He's, he's done quite a good job of that. Um, what for Sean? Um, so this is not so much. Um, a specific question for us here. It's more about kind of longer term January kind of transfer targets. We talked about centre backs and left backs being an issue. Um, in terms of ones we like, we're going to go into that a little bit further in more detail in the upcoming podcast. We'll give you some names. Um, we also covered um, Akoi to the goalkeeper, which he asked about. Um, so they were the main ones there. I know I just covered them super briefly, um, but I just wanted to make sure we got to them. But any of those questions, they're actually all going to be kind of fleshed out a little bit in our kind of podcast too, um, as we talk more about Ranieri and more about the kind of potential players coming in. Um, yeah, so is there anything else you want to cover there, David? Or you feel like we've done a pretty good job of that? No, no, I think that's great. Yeah, really good. There's, awesome. um, there's a decent, decent amount covered there. Good. Yeah, I think it's been, yeah, it's been good to talk to you again. Obviously, appreciate uh, taking time out of your day to do so. Um, also, congratulations are in order. David got engaged recently, so congrats, David. Um, oh, cheers! cheers <laughs> yeah. make, make sure the uh, make sure everyone knows that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking again in in no time. Really, I'm looking forward to uh, the fallout from the game, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, one of us is happy and everyone's miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it too. Cheers, Jordan. Um, yeah, nice to chat to you. Yeah, so if you want to find any more of David's stuff too, um, he does some work on Brentford FC Tactical and at David Anderson. It's where you can find him talking about all things Brentford. Um, and yeah, I mean, kind of go out and follow these guys. There's a really good community of, of people that talk about um, talk about their football clubs. Um, obviously, I try and do I try and do my best in regards to Watford, but there are plenty of others that are much better than I do for their own respective teams. So go check out David and uh, yeah, and the others around this kind of this kind of little group, this collective on Twitter. We try and do what we can so uh thanks again for listening thanks for joining this has gone a little long but i hope you found it useful um and a nice little build up for what's becoming quite a big game on friday we're all looking forward to it um we'll talk to you all again soon new episode of what for buzz will be coming out shortly after this we'll be talking about how how the game went and uh discussing that so thanks for listening um we'll catch you next next time i'm jordan weimer at what analytics on twitter and this was david anderson cheers see ya Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 